Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is you're tuning into there, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to episode 20 of A Voice from the Ever Change. Episode 20, it sounds like, sounds like a big number. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, still going strong. And so a little bit about uh, what we're doing here, if it's your first time tuning in. A Voice from the Ever Change is a book that I wrote. It's a book of poetry, and I wrote a commentary after each poem. Now, each poem was written out of a state of meditation. So I would go into a meditative absorption, and I would sit in that meditation for maybe 20 minutes or so, and then the words to the poem would appear. And so I would then write the poem down, and then I actually offered it uh, as a way of guiding a meditation uh, to others here at the New Life Foundation, a group of fellow uh, seekers, healers, teachers, counselors, uh, travelers, and so forth. And so this kept going and going and going and going, and uh, before long I had a book. And then few months after this, I uh, went to work on a cruise ship uh, teaching Buddhism and mindfulness, which was a great job, and I had plenty of time. Uh, so while I was there on the cruise ship, I would uh, meditate. Actually, I would meditate several hours a day. But part of my practice there uh, was to go into a meditation and then read the poetry that I'd written and see what came up while I was reading the poetry in this meditation. And that gave birth to the commentary. Now, when I go back and read these poems again, other experiences arise for me. It's not necessarily what I wrote originally in the commentary. And so I recommend uh, this book be used in that way and the video series here that we're filming uh, each night on Facebook Live. If you go back and watch the video, if you're here joining me tonight, uh, I'll be guiding a meditation into silence. And then you can do the same thing, the way it was composed out of the meditation. Allow the words to the poetry to guide your meditation. So you'll have a similar experience to what I experienced when I composed the poetry and then when I composed the commentary as well. So that's the idea, allowing the poetry, allowing the commentary to serve as an extension to the guided meditation. Then we might sit after the commentary for maybe, I don't know, six or seven breaths, not for very long, it might be a minute or two. And then probably I will talk a little bit about uh, what I read or, or what I wrote or today's current world events. I might talk about anything, sports, who knows. Uh, at that point, I'm just uh, freely improvising. So whatever is coming to mind, I just say at that point. And uh, I'll ring the bell and we'll be finished. So thanks for joining me. Uh, I hope you will enjoy tonight's offering on impermanence from A Voice from the Ever Change.
allowing the body, mind, and heart to rest. Coming into this present moment experience. Noticing the breath as it enters and leaves the nose. You might notice a cool or a dry sensation at the nostrils or perhaps simply noticing the temperature changing from cooler to warmer as you inhale and exhale. Noticing the breath as it touches the back of the throat. Again, there might be a dry or a tingling or perhaps just noticing the temperature changing as you inhale and exhale at the back of the throat. You might also notice the rib cage expanding and contracting with each breath. There might be sensations of clothing moving to adjust with the rising and falling of the abdomen, chest and shoulders as you inhale and exhale. Noticing the rhythm of the breath as it moves through your body. You might also notice the back moving out as you breathe in and in as you breathe out. You might also notice the body straightening up slightly on the in-breath and leaning forward slightly on the out-breath. And so just rest right there for a few moments maintaining awareness on the sensations of the breathing process. Sensations arising from the nose, the back of the throat, the chest and shoulders, back and abdomen. And any other sensations that you might notice arising as a result of the breathing process. If any time during the meditation you become distracted by your thoughts, you can simply label those thoughts with the word thinking, which will help the thoughts to dissolve. Gently return back to the present moment. Now, while resting in the present moment experience of the breath, noticing sensations of clothing against the shoulders, noticing the arms resting against the body, the hands resting against the body or touching each other. You might also notice sensations of clothing against the back, the weight of the body against the chair or cushion, the mat or the floor. 
There might be sensations of clothing against the legs, the feet against the mat or the floor. And while resting with all of those tactile sensations, you might notice kinesthetic sensations arising from the face, the ear, the back of the head, the top of the head. There might be sensations arising from the lips and the nose, the eyes, the forehead. And so we'll rest right there just for a few moments, maintaining open, spacious awareness on the sensations of the breath from the nose to the abdomen, the abdomen to the nose and sensations arising throughout the body from the top of the head to the bottoms of the feet. Remember sensations of breath and body are always present moment experiences. while resting with the experience of breath and body, you might also include the experience of sound, and if you can hear the sounds from my side of the experience, you might notice the sound of the crickets, the sound of the geckos, you might hear the very faint sound of an air conditioner. Depending where you are in the world, you might hear the sound of traffic or a breeze. There might be a conversation fading in and fading out as people pass by. Not focusing on any one sound in particular, but noticing the entire field of sound. Hearing all of the sounds all at the same time. And in addition to any sounds, paying close attention to the quality of still silence within the field of hearing. When we listen to the silent space in this way, we might notice how this silence seems to surround the present moment. And so we'll rest right there, maintaining open, spacious awareness on the sensations of the breath, the body, 
silence and sound, and just rest, breathing in and breathing out. The poem. Meditation may give us the stability needed to rest in attention. With a heightened sense of awareness, we become capable of experiencing emotions exactly as they are. Transient, passing, temporary, and ephemeral. When we slip into identifying with emotions, we fail to recognize their impermanent nature. The emotion captures us. We may then lose ability to respond, to create, to acknowledge, and to engage. Rest now. Without grasping or pushing, Notice how each aversion arises and passes. Action reveals itself, then fades away. Do not try, do not control. There is nothing to achieve, just rest. The Commentary The universe, the stars, the galaxies, the planets, our planet, our environment and our surroundings, our country, our neighborhood, the soundtrack of this present moment experience, our household, our family, our physical body, our beliefs, our emotions, our values, and our beliefs are all steeped in a constant field of ever-change. We are, in fact, bathing in a flowing river of ever-change, and we ourselves are in that river. There is no part of us, anyone or anything else, which is separate from this. Can you point to one thing or experience which is not susceptible to the effects of time, gravity, and or change? It is perhaps mankind's greatest error that we believe we are a separate fixed entity, somehow standing apart from this ever-flowing field of constant flux looking down at or simply observing the world of experience as it flows past us. 
This illusion causes a persistent, pervasive sensation of being a separated, isolated, independent being who is somehow in control of the change which we experience as being outside of and around us. This illusion was perhaps a necessary trait for survival at one point in the history of humankind, but it is now a part of a horribly outdated worldview and no longer serves us. When we buy into this way of experiencing the world, we give birth to the experience of I. With the creation of the experience of an I, necessarily comes the experience of other. Because the concept of I makes no sense unless there is an other. The experience of me in here only makes sense in relationship to a you or to a them over there. Once the experience of I and you seems solid and in place, it is just a short distance to the land of illusory emotional solidity. When we reach the shores of the illusion of emotional solidity, we take each feeling and emotion out of the stream of ever-changing experience and we endow each one with a type of solidity and permanency. This gives our ego something to go to battle over, struggle with, or cling to, which in turn gives us a stronger, more solidified sense of I. We create the experience of other out of each feeling and emotion creating a stronger sense of I. The more resistance we can create towards each feeling, emotion, craving, or desire, the deeper the opportunity we give ourselves to struggle against these. And in turn, we feel more alive. The more solid our experience of I becomes, the more solid and fixed the emotions are, and we feel alive through that struggle. We become as seemingly solid and permanent as the emotion of our current fixation. So, in a very odd way, our emotional struggles, sufferings, and pain gives us a feeling of being alive, solid, and permanent. Essentially, this process unfolds as follows. We encounter a stimulus. That stimulus gives rise to a feeling. We interpret that feeling with either an attraction, aversion, or indifference. Those interpretations give rise to various emotions. The emotions are habitual, which means that if I have interpreted an uncomfortable feeling tone arising in my body is threatening, clenching, tightening up, clenching of the jaw, maybe the shoulders rise up and so forth. If I interpret that as threatening and respond to that interpretation with anger, chances are 
I will respond each time with anger again and again and again and again. We become locked into a repetitive cycle of emotional reactivity. But all of this happens because we fail to recognize the emotion for what it truly is. Transient, impermanent, fleeting, and ephemeral. We overlook the simple fact that feeling and emotion is completely empty of inherent existence. We buy into our anger. We give our jealousy purchase. We cling to our fear. We push away our sadness. These reactions to our emotional states brings them out of that stream of ever change and gives them the illusion of being something solid, fixed, and permanent, which we can then struggle against, cling to, dance with, or obsess over. This phenomenon allows us to feel immortal, at least for a moment. We feel permanent because the emotion or feeling seems permanent. Logically, of course, we may recognize this as indeed an illusion, except for control. Most people cling to the feeling of being in control. It seems to be the most tenacious illusion of all of them. However, on a visceral, emotional level, the persistent illusion of permanency remains. Not only does this illusion reinforce the divisive mirage of self here, other there, but it also allows us to suffer each emotion in a much more painful way. We really feel sad because somehow we make the mistake of thinking the sad feeling arising in the body, the mind, or the heart is a solid, fixed entity. We then wrestle against that solid feeling as if it was just that. We fail to recognize that it is the very struggle which we have never on that keeps the emotion in place. We freeze the emotion into a permanent state so that we, a being in flux, can wrestle against an emotion which is also a state of flux. Flux grasping at flux in an effort to create the illusion of a permanent, fixed, solid world. No wonder there is so much confusion. Why is this such an awful state to be in? It seems that this flux, gripping at flux, trying to find solid ground, is the natural, normal state of affairs for the human being. Why even attempt to disturb or disrupt it? Quite simply, because when we are holding on to an emotion and not allowing it to pass naturally, our ability to respond to the present moment in an appropriate and healthy way becomes very limited. We unconsciously see, view, and experience the world through the lens of the emotion which we have identified with. 
And because our emotional states are habitual, we become stuck. We become trapped in a devil's circle, repeating the same or similar life experiences as the result of, um, of consistently viewing the world through our habitual emotional reactivity. And so one of the reasons I recommend taking up the practice of resting meditation is that it allows one to rest in whatever experiences may arise. When we can truly rest in the experience of sadness or anger, desire or fear, we can learn to honor and feel each emotion and then let them go when that is appropriate. We no longer have to struggle against each emotion, trying to control each experience and then the outcome of every situation, because we know that all of that will arise and pass. When this need for control drops away, we become stable and more in tune with the present moment situation at hand. Sadness may arise, for example, but we now no longer feel the need to struggle against or control this or any arising. We feel it arise, we notice it stay for a while, and then the sadness will eventually cease. If we can let the thoughts about the sadness go, release the stories about the sadness, and then the sadness gradually, naturally, and by its own accord will fade back into the open, spacious awareness from which it arose. We cannot control this process, as the process must unfold in a state of resting. One cannot control experiences and be at rest at the same time, for the very control implies a state of non-resting. We cannot strive for resting because the very act of striving is non-resting. We cannot work towards anything or judge any experience which arises as those actions or any actions only take us further and further away from resting. Just rest, simply rest. There is nothing else to do but rest.
So I hope you enjoyed the guided meditation on change and impermanence, resting in the ever-change. And so now I'll just improvise a little bit, riff a little bit, talk a little bit about this state of ever-change. And it sounds so easy sometimes, and I, I've had other people tell me that too when I talk about resting in the ever-change. Uh, how sometimes I make it sound like one of the easiest things to do. Arguably, it's actually one of the more challenging. But it really does help to uh, cultivate a type of meditation practice in which, in that practice, one first recognizes the distractive thoughts and then you label those thoughts with the word thinking. Because when you're distracted by your thoughts, you're in a state of unawareness. You're just in that thought and your, your mind will be thinking about whatever, however it is, whatever it is, whatever it should be, the way we wish it was, whatever. You're in that train of thought and you're not feeling the breath. You're not feeling the clothing on the skin, the weight of the body in the chair. You're just in that train of thought. That's pretty much the normal state of humanity. We're pretty much constantly distracted by our thinking. But we can recognize that. We say the word thinking, that shines the light of awareness on the state of unawareness. When we're distracted by our thought, we're no longer aware of the present moment. That's why I, I label it the state of unawareness. So we say thinking, that brings the light of awareness on that unaware state. They can't coexist. So that state of unawareness will dissolve. The thoughts will dissolve. Then you can more easily come back to the present moment. Now, that's important because when we're caught in a state of emotional reactivity, that is also a state of unawareness. And there will be a, a lot of thoughts coming up, keeping that emotion in place. And so when you say, when you recognize that, when you say thinking, you let those thoughts go, then you come back to the visceral, physical, bodily sensation of the emotion. That's when we're putting the emotion back into the river of ever-change. When we do that process, when we separate the thinking mind from the physical sensation of the emotion, when we do that, we're putting the emotion back into that ever-flowing, endless river of change. And you just drop it back in there. When we're feeling, let's take example of sadness, because I think there's a lot of sadness in the world right now. So let's say we're feeling sadness, and the mind will be, oh, I can't believe, you know, this is tragic, and all of this is happening, and why, why did they say that to me too? That makes me more sad, and all. That, when we do that, when we embark on that train of thinking, we're taking the emotion of sadness out of the river of ever-change. And we're clinging to it. We're either wrestling against it, or we're clinging to it, adoring it, or we're wishing it wasn't there. But whatever our reaction is to that, we've created a solid fixed entity out of a 
an emotion that is normally in that state of change, in that river of ever change. We've fished it out of the river and we've created a solid fixed entity out of that emotion. Then we struggle with it, we play with it, we dance with it, we fight with it. When we say the word thinking or when we recognize we're in, in the thinking mind, we let those thoughts go and we just feel the emotion. We feel the sadness. However that manifests for us, we might cry, we might go for a walk, we might... However we feel our sadness, we feel it, we honor it. And then in that feeling, in that honoring, we place it back into the river of ever change. And then it changes into something else. Like that. And so that's the process. And that's why cultivating a, a mindfulness practice or a meditation practice is so helpful in this process. Because in that meditation we come and watch the mind we sit and watch the mind we watch the mind each thought creating something permanent and fixed out of that state of ever change and then we say thinking and we practice putting it back in the river it's like catch and release if you're fishing we we if you're vegan or vegetarian pardon the example uh, we but we fish the emotion out of the river of ever change we look at it, we, we're fascinated by it, we play with it, we dance with it, we struggle against it. All of that makes us feel alive and permanent and fixed because we have a solid fixed other in the emotion and because other is there, I is there. And that's why that's, that happens. That creates this phenomenon of self and other. And then we say thinking, we put it back into the river. We release the emotion. We release the fish. We release the emotion back into the state of ever change. And it can go on its merry way down the river like that. Some emotions that we encounter in life, some feelings are very, very fleeting. That's, we don't, we don't take those out of the river of ever change. We don't feel the need to. There's no need. It might be walking down the, the, the street and we smell fresh cut lawn. Oh, that's nice, fresh cut lawn. That we take that observation out of the river and we just put it right back. It doesn't bother us. Then maybe somebody that we care for says a mean or a harsh word to us. We take that experience, that emotion out of the river of ever change and then we, we might cuddle it and glorify it and dance with it and caress it and hold it and analyze it and freeze it and punch against it and struggle. And then we eventually, hopefully, put it back into that river of ever change. Now, with that, again, with that mindfulness practice, we can do that more and more easily, more and more fluidly. So things move through us much faster because we're aware of what's happening in our mind state. We're mindful of what's happening, how we're clinging to each thought, how we're clinging through our thought process to each emotion, to each feeling. There are many teachers who, who use this phrase, uh, this too shall pass, and it's almost come, become a cliche in spiritual circles. This too shall pass, right? I used to say that 
And I think I even wrote a little bit in my book, Such Sweet Thunder, uh, a commentary on that phrase. But recently I've taken issue <laughs> with that phrase. And I, I thought, well, what is it about this that, that isn't working for people anymore? Because other people ask me questions about this phrase. And so I understand it now, I think, at least right now, and that could change too. My understandings often do change and fluctuate. But right now, how I see this phrase is problematic because it creates a this to something solid, a this, which is a solid thing, which is to eventually pass through something, which is another solid thing. But the this is also changing and fluctuating. It, that's not solid. We make it solid when we bring it out of that river of ever change. And that this too shall pass, then we, we've created a solid ending point for that, that thing. So we've created two solids. And that's why I remember saying to, to somebody I was working with, oh, you know, this too shall pass. And they said, yeah, like a kidney stone. <laughs> and so I thought about that. Yeah, that's, it's true. It, the phrase, this too shall pass, gives, it still gives us something to struggle with. We, we, we take this too and we cling to it. We say, this will pass, this will pass, someday this will pass. And we, we again, there we are. We're clinging to it and we're waiting for it. When will you pass? When, when is this going to be over? When can I go back to normal life? When and we're, we're struggling again. This too shall pass. <laughs> and we're wrestling with it at the same time. It won't pass as long as we're wrestling with it. That's the ironic part. So rather than keeping that phrase, this too shall pass, I recommend just the word passing. If you need a word at all, just use the word passing. This is passing. Don't even say this, because the this creates a solid fixed entity. We already know everything in the world from everything in the world, everything in the universe, the stars, the galaxies, from the furthest set of universe way out as far as the imagination can go to your very most subtlest thought. It's all in the stream of ever change. It's all passing, just passing, passing. You just need that one word. That's the only pointer you need. Passing. 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 And so with that, I think I'll close. I hope you found that useful and entertaining. Thank you for indulging me. These are as helpful for me as they are for, probably more helpful for me than most of you. <laughs> um, stay safe, everyone. Stay healthy. Uh, stay sane as much as possible. Uh, do your social distancing, please, please, please. Uh, we are, it is working. We, we can all see it now. Uh, we know the social distancing is working. Uh, so please do adhere to those uh, guidelines. Uh, 
and uh, we'll be flying across the globe again before you know it. I'll see you all again tomorrow, same time, uh, same station. Please do tune in. Uh, check out the videos if you get a chance. Also, feel free to email me if you'd like a PDF copy of the book, A Voice from the Everchange. I'm sending this out for free for anyone who wants one. And send over questions. I'm doing a Q&A session every Sunday evening at the same time. Be well, much love, much metta, be well.